Well, hey guys, welcome to the Middle Cross Podcast and the Haywood Baptist Hour. It's good to have y'all here with us. Good to have some friends here too. Here at uh, the Middle Cross Podcast, we're all about applying all of the gospel to all of life. That's what we're going to do here today. That's what we always want to do. We want to keep the word center, Christ center, and uh, apply it to our lives, however that looks. So anyway, uh, I'm your host, J.P. Barden. I'm the pastor at New Vision Baptist Church here in Haywood County. Um, love this place, love this town, and I love my church too. But I've got some good friends with me, like I said before. So we've got Brendan Cress here with us. He's pastor at Harmony Baptist Church. I've also got Ben Cowell, a returning guest, pastor at Brownsville Baptist Church. Um, we got some age differences going on here, though. <laughs> <laughs> we do. I don't want to make a comment real quick. Um, so this is how truly great, you know, Mark Gaylor actually is, because in his absence, it takes two people <laughs> to fill in his spot. That's it. You hear that, Mark? I know you're probably going to be listening sometime. It surely does. He's irreplaceable. He's out, as he says, living the dream. <laughs> I want to be out living the dream. Like, I just want to know what that's like, you know. Yeah. Maybe I could take a seminar. Me too. Me too. Well, anyway, guys, um, man, it's, uh, what, what's today? Today's Tuesday? Today's yep. Tuesday. Uh, the week's kind of getting going. We got a fun topic here uh, today. We're going to be talking a little bit about doubt, but more specific than just that. That's kind of broad, right? We're going to be talking about um, doubting our faith, doubting God's love for us and how to deal with that and what the Bible says about the assurance of our salvation. Well, we can kind of put that into a question, but before we get to that question, I have an interesting question for you guys. Okay. So have you ever been in, like scared in your life? Every day. I'm scared right now. Scared right now. I'm sorry about that. That's just me. Um, no, I don't have a scary presence at all. <laughs> so y'all tell me what, like in, in your life, w- tell me about a moment where you were absolutely f- just fearful for your life. You're terrified for your life, or you didn't think you were going to make it. Whether you did something stupid or whether somebody did something to you. I don't know. You got a story for me? Who wants to go first? Yeah, I, I do that now that you're saying that. Um, I played it off though. So this was, <laughs> this was my freshman year of college and I had some friends who lived, so went to Union, but I'm from Nashville. I had some friends in the area, um, including one girl that I was trying to impress at this point. Mm, uh, never... And so she was like, hey, she didn't have a car. So she was like, could you drive me back to school after winter break or something? So I pick her up um, and I'm waiting in her, her church's parking lot. That's where we were going to meet. And I, I had my car off. I started my car again, and all of my lights come on, all of them. And I realized I don't have power steering. So uh, my ABS, my brake light was on and everything. She's in the car. I completely play it off. I drive all the way from Nashville to Jackson. <laughs> my speedometer wasn't working. I had no idea how fast I was going. I, my, <laughs> I had no power steering. That was so stupid of me. Dang I just had to play it off as like... I mean, it drove fine. I just didn't. I just made sure I was going as fast as the people around me, and we made it. We made it completely. Well, safe. it played it was, off. It was yeah. I look back at that and go, "That was really dumb. That was a really dumb decision." <laughs> was it worth it? Uh, no, I no. <laughs> that didn't help. Well, sadly, I hate that for you, man. 
What so, about? Yeah, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life and uh, tested the limits of mortality, you know, quite a bit. But I figure instead of recalling one of those stories, um, there's kind of like a fun fact of something I'm afraid of. Um, like, I've got a weird phobia. So here's the thing. Let's just get this out there. I just can't stand clowns. Like, I, I have no way. Yeah, that's just like a thing. I, and so what's funny about this is that, um, you know, when I was dating my wife, now listen, you know, we were like dating and engaged and married within nine months. You know, it was a pretty fast process, but um, man, you just, when you know, you know, you know? And so anyway, we get married, we get back from our honeymoon and I start unpacking her things in my apartment. And I come across these boxes and written in Sharpie, it says ceramic clowns. And I'm going, oh my goodness, like what in the world? So I start to, I open it and it's like those weird, like expressionless, faceless, you know, ceramic yeah. kind of things. And there was like, she collected these, like, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and so there were, there was a moment. Okay. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at her and we hadn't had the conversation about clowns or anything like that, but I just, I looked at her and, and I said, babe, I love you so much. You just need to know these things are never going to see the light of day. <laughs> Pull out the tape again. And yeah, it's like, and and I think we, she still has them. I don't know where they are, but our whole sixteen years of marriage, they remain in a box. That's funny. <laughs> Yikes! Well, that might. Hopefully, that doesn't come back to bite you. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna remember that you're scared of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Never know when one might pop up. <laughs> oh gosh. Now I'm like paranoid, like I'm going to go into Brownsville Baptist Church. I'm going to be getting out of my car and looking over my shoulder, <laughs> waiting for someone to prank me in a clown. Or, or you, like you would probably even do this, JP. Like you would send someone like, you know, how they do like telegrams and yeah. things yeah, like yeah. that. You would send a clown with flowers on my birthday, like happy birthday. <laughs> no, it would be me showing up in a, in a clown costume. I ain't letting other people do my bidding for me. <laughs> JP, I'm not scared of clowns, but you in a clown costume. Now that, <laughs> that might do it. Oh, man. Okay. So, enough about clowns. Um, something terrifying that happened to me one time. Uh, Buddy and I went hiking, which we love to do. It was a blast. We went, uh, when was I think this was a place up in Missouri or something like that. Anyway, it was where the, it was a, it was a, a river, but it, uh, it pooled in a certain place, uh, right? It wasn't a large one where you could actually dive in, swim. It wasn't rushing or anything. It was a really cool place. In fact, it had like, it had rock at the bottom of it, but it had sewn worn it out that you had, uh, like there were tons of rocks sticking up and all the water was just going through them, like all across the riverbed. So it was, it was really awesome, really beautiful. But we found a cliff and everybody was jumping off the cliff. Of course. And we were 20, so, how old was I? I was like 20 maybe, I think, or tw- I may have been 21. Everybody's jumping off. Everybody's talking about who wasn't jumping off as a chicken. We didn't know any of these people. And then Dylan and I kept talking about, you want to jump off? No, I'm not going to jump off. You want to jump? Well, I don't know, maybe. So eventually find a founder. Wait, we got to jump off, man. I'm going to, I'm going to like lose my, lose my man card if I don't do this because everybody (laughs) else is doing this. He jumped off fine and it was pretty high. Like, I don't know how, how, 
actually how it was, but it was high enough that when I jumped off, I did not jump off fine, and the whole side was bruised after the fact, like purple, yellow, and all that stuff. Mm. So it you, you could feel the impact. I brushed it off like you did, Brennan, you know, kind of whatever. But once we got back home, I was like, man, do I have eternal, ble- eternal bleeding? Because <laughs> this is like my, the whole side of my body. And that you could hear, I heard people go, ooh, yeah, right before I hit the water. Because I saw that I was like sideways a little bit. Anyway, that was that was fun. I wasn't sure about uh, how I was going to be after the fact, which is a good segue into what we're talking about. So, guys, my question to you today is this: How can I be sure about my salvation, about whether or not God loves me? All right. We and as I ask that question, we probably need to start off with defining a lot of terms. And as we even define those terms, we got to figure out what they aren't right. So as we kind of walk into this, and maybe someone's here is listening and is struggling, I don't really think God loves me, right? So let's let's kind of target where this is hitting out first. We've all been there probably, right? Man, I just don't feel like God loves me anymore, or at least right now. Um, what do you do in that situation? What does the Bible say to that to that effect? Can I lose my salvation? Have I lost it in the moment, right? All those kinds of things. So what we also probably need to do, well, this is kind of where we'll, st- we'll start off. What isn't the assurance of salvation? <laughs> where do we get it wrong? Um, what's some kind of messed up ways? Maybe that's too severe. Should I not say that? <laughs> some kind of messed up ways of thinking about uh, the assurance of our salvation. Y'all help me out. Where do we want to go first? I <laughs> can't see everybody at the table looked at me so I'm gonna go uh, yeah well I think one of the ways that when we think about assurance when we think about how do I know where I stand with God um, one of the dangers we can fall into is trying to place that in something um, that we've done uh, both ways yeah so oftentimes what I, and, and I just counseled a person recently who was struggling with how do I know God even loves me? Like, how do I know God cares about me? Um, sometimes it's it's either we did something good and we're like, maybe this is what God loved, you know, this is why God loves me. Or we do something bad and we think, well, God doesn't love me anymore because of this or that thing. Uh, in either place, if you place your assurance in either of those two things, you miss, I think, the biblical view of what why we have assurance, which is because God loves us in spite of ourselves, yeah. uh, not because of ourselves. So. Yeah. I think one place to go wrong is to think that God's love for you is based on uh, some kind of, of give and take relationship. Yeah. And I think that comes from failed relationships in your own life, right? That, that's a very, very key thing there. That's where I, my mind was going. I think what ends up happening sometimes if we're not careful, and this is what I think is kind of done in the church a lot of times when we're not really secure in our doctrine and what the Bible says, is that we begin to determine our to define our relationship with God based upon our relationships with other people. Hmm. Like that's a bad place to start. Like uh, whether it's dating, parental, friend, whatever, right? Because human relationships are riddled with trials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sin, I'm riddled with sin, all that kinds of stuff. So, okay, that's a good starting point, right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to define our relationship with God based upon our relationships with other people. Um 
but we also, well, let me ask it this way. What do Baptists believe, right? This is, we're Baptists here. We're all Baptist preachers. Um, this may very well be on the Haywood Baptist Hour. It's kind of saturated Baptist stuff. We still love our Methodist and Presbyterian friends. All right. We love you guys. So what do we typically believe as Baptist? Or maybe where have we kind of kind of messed that up a little bit? Where have we gone astray? Like, right, you've heard the term, uh, what is it? Once saved, always saved? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Right? We love that, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> I think I like the term, though. I like it, I like it phrased, if saved, always saved. I think is a better way to talk about this. And I yeah. think it's what we intentionally mean. Now, I know that our Baptist faith and message has a lot to say about this particular uh, nuance about our doctrines that make us who we are, but kind of going back to maybe some messed up erroneous ideas about not just um, the love of God, but also the assurance uh, of salvation is I think that we don't teach well uh, the concept of uh, grace or God's co- covenantal yeah, love yeah, yeah. That's big. To, to us. Um, and and so backing up, you're struggling with, does God love me or am I <clears throat> saved? <clears throat> you start off with some wild precepts um, and, and you've got to remember just the redemptive nature of God towards his kids. We realize, and you, you said this, you both said this in one way or another, but um, that all of our lives, we view relationships on this contract basis. Like, mm-hmm. you can be my friend, but the moment you make me feel weird, I'm going to put some distance between <laughs> yeah. us. And I'll even say this, maybe that's healthy in some regards, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but here's the thing. God is covenantally loving of us because if you're struggling with whether or not God loves you, he sacrificed his son for you. And and and, and so yeah. if you're struggling to feel love, um, I've heard it said this way, but something is only as valuable as worth the cost you're willing to pay for it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, a house is determined on the value based on what someone's willing to pay for it. And yet God was willing to pay the life of his son for you. Yeah. You have infinite love and infinite value, and that's all grace. It's not on your performance. It's just his covenantal love that I'll even say this with that kind of grace and love, we don't really understand. But on that same basis, what I'm trying to say is that the connection with God's love and the assurance of our salvation are linked with the same concept of covenantal grace. Absolutely. That's go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, I think theologically, if we approach it from one of the big keys that helped me with this question was that God does not change. And and we change in our relationships to one another. Yeah. God's relationship to us is not a give and take changing mm-hmm. relationship. He stays the same. And well, we point to a ton of texts that point to that truth. Um, God's relationship with us doesn't change. So even when we do, God doesn't. And that, I think, even just that alone gives me assurance of, yeah, I'm completely different throughout a, one day. I can have, you know, three different moods or, you know, five different. Uh, ways of thinking or whatever. God doesn't doesn't do that. God doesn't have mood swings. God doesn't wake up one morning and get mad and go, you know what, Brennan, I don't really like you today. <laughs> I'm imperfect. I do that with my friends. That's bad. God doesn't do that though. And I think 
what you said, JP, um, about we put how we view our relationships and we put that on God. And so we think of God like he's these other people in our lives who do fail and who do change. Um, we have to keep in mind that he's not like us. Yeah, that's in, a really in good the guess. Best ways. <laughs> and what, what, because we're, we're hitting the topic of, we're, we're kind of staying on what the word the problem is. We're inching a little bit to the solution, but I don't quite want to go there yet. Right. Um, as y'all are talking, though, all right, back to um, what Baptists believe. Um, I want saved, always saved. I think sometimes, I think the sentiment behind that is, uh, right, I can, then that means I can do whatever I want. Oh, right? Yeah, the antinomianism. It is. That ends up being antinomianism. Or, okay, let's let's define that uh, right, too. That's, you have legalism on one side, which yeah. is law, 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 right, wrong, right, wrong, do, don't, right? Don't, um, what's the saying? Don't. Grace for me, law for you. <laughs> yeah, or I was thinking about the, the like the youth group kind of thing. Don't oh, if date. Grace choose. is an ocean, I'm sinking. Or no. <laughs> no, I was. Oceans. <laughs> I was going to say, don't date you or date girls that do. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Get back to my roots here. Yeah. Now, of course, that would be, I've never met a girl that does chew. Anyway. <laughs> Praise God. But back to the topic. So uh, the difficulty, you have legalism on one side. That's just all that. Then you, on the other side, you have antinomianism, which means n- like no law, anti-law. So it's like either rule book or do whatever I want. And we don't want to be on either side of that horse. We want to be right on top where grace is. Yeah. Um, it is important to note that a Protestant position, Baptist position, would be seen as antinomian because we're going to push grace. And hmm. that idea would, there would be some who would criticize us of saying, well, if, if you can be saved and then go do whatever you want and then just get grace then there's nothing to that. If you do certain bad things, you should be able to lose your your uh, position, your standing with God, or be able to let it go or something like this. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this idea of uh, of that, because yeah, we're not antinomianism, because I think there's two ditches on the same issue. You know, you really fall on this side of the ditch or that side of the ditch, whether it be legalism or antinomianism. Um, but I think both miss the mark of the understanding. So um, it's like this. I will always, you know, we, we always go back to the nature of salvation as having a vibrant relationship with God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this covenantal knowing the way Adam knew Eve is the way we know the Father. Yeah. And so looking at salvation in terms of relationship, um, you know, um, yes, there are things that help relationships and things that hurt relationships. All right. And so grace, an understanding of grace, whereas like, okay, I keep getting grace so I can do whatever I want is a dismissal of a reality of a vibrant relationship. Um, so I'll always put, put this back in the form of like marriage, um, okay, so um, I know that there's things that please my wife, and I know that there are things that she doesn't care for. Uh, and because I love her, 
I'm going to do the things that make her happy because of the relationship connection that I have with her. So it's not legalism for me to want to do good by her no, and no. meet those expectations because it's a flowing out of that. I also don't want to just do anything that I want because we are in the covenant of marriage together. Yeah. So like in a way, like my wife could take the kids and go out of town for a weekend and say, you have a hall pass and do whatever you want. And when I get back on Monday, I'm not checking in. And here's the thing. I'm going to stay faithful to my wife that weekend, not because of a rule saying I had to or not, oh. but because I love my wife, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and so the basis of my salvation is because I love God. That's that, I think that's key at getting at the problem here, because I want to kind of dive a little bit a little bit farther into the heart of the issue, or even the heart issue, so to speak, because we're talking about doubt in someone's heart, right? Um, it's it's going to come from a misunderstanding or a forgetfulness or some kind of something like that of the love of God, which ultimately is rooted in forgetting who God actually is, which goes back to what Brennan's talking about, mm-hmm. that God does not change. And I think one of the huge dangers, whether it's assurance of our salvation just about any kind of kind of heart problem. I'm not talking about cholesterol either, but like like serious heart problem in your faith, uh, whatever you're wrestling with, goes back to do you actually know who the God of your salvation is? And I think that's where this is one of my soapboxes. <laughs> I think that's where we've gone astray big time in the church, modern day evangelicalism, is that we have forgotten our doctrines of God. Mm, yeah, and we don't realize how that a lot of the normal life, mundane life, even like you're talking about marriage, how that works in there so perfectly is actually downstream from that. And then when we end up with these issues down here, like, man, I've really been messing up for the past, I don't know, two months, or maybe my relationship with my spouse just hasn't been going right, and I don't understand why, and I feel like it's all me, and maybe it is all me. I don't know. How far back do you actually have to go? you got to go a lot farther back, I think, than we usually realize. Like, we usually want to go only as far back as one of those two ditches, legalism or antinomianism. Either I can do whatever I want, I don't have to feel bad, or I need to do only the right things, and that's going to fix my problem. Like, So what, we're, what we got here, hopefully you could kind of see the structure we're painting, where we, we, got to go, we got to go deeper, right? Those things aren't sufficient. A lot of what the world's going to give you about whether or not God loves you is not sufficient. And sometimes... What our local churches give mm-hmm. is not going to end up being sufficient. Now, not talking about local churches here in Haywood or anything, just the church in general. Um, we've adopted a lot of worldly practices in terms of dealing with heart issues. Yeah. We, well, I think that's why other structures don't adequately fit it. You know, you got a lot of people that <clears throat> put this ladder of works yeah, in place yeah. in other, um, you know, belief structures, um, including like, <clears throat> the right ordinances, like okay, so for this you have to be baptized, and in and and this is a qualification, and then you've got to take the Lord's Supper in this manner, and this is a qualification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you start stacking up. Okay, so do 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 these things, and 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 you can you can get it right. But what you're saying, JP, is that it's beyond all of that, and it actually gets to the heart of the connection of the believer in their um, awareness of the grace of God yes. shown to them in their life. Yes, just like you were talking about the covenant, right? I mean, it's, it's all connected. And it goes back to the, it's the jewel of the gospel. 
That's right. Right. Which is probably where we need to go. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the problem, right? Just take me. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the problem. I'm, I'm the one that's down in the dumps. I'm doubting whether God loves me. I'm fighting a Taylor Swift joke right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would. you'd still keep, be keep my friend fighting. if you made that joke. But the, <laughs> well, yeah, you would give me grace? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No law. No law, I can say. Um, all right, so I'm over here. I'm like, okay, guys, I get it. I'm, I got to get my belief about God back right. I, I need to figure out what's what I'm missing in my heart. You know, okay. Where do, I, where do I go in the Bible is the next question. What, what does God actually say to what's going on? Can I uh, mention something before we jump yeah. right there? Doubt is going to happen in the life of a believer. There's, I'm glad you said that. There's That's good. no, yeah. like, there are so many texts. Jude pops, Jude 23, 24, I don't remember which verse, pops to me where it, it talks about being uh, that. Uh, more mature Christians should be kind to those who waver to hold up those who are doubting and those who are wavering in their faith. Um, Having doubt is not the sign of weakness. In fact, sometimes having doubt means you're asking good questions. That's right. That's good, man. Because you'll have that kind of Mm -hmm. response like, hey, I don't really understand how this salvation grace things work. If saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. That's a great little colloquial phrase. That doesn't answer the question of how do I know my salvation. So sometimes I think what happens in, in the church is if pastors and leaders aren't equipped to answer tough questions when they're asked, that causes even more doubt in the member or congregant's mind because they go, when I go to this person and I have this serious question, they just shoot me down or they just, you yeah. know, here's one little Bible verse as if that answers it. More often than not, quoting one Bible verse brings more questions than it does yeah. <laughs> answers more often than not. So I think... It's good to realize that doubt is not doubt itself is not a problem. Um, when you doubt, turn dive in. That would be what I would say. I think Amen. more often than not, when people doubt, they turn away. When you doubt, dive in, wrestle. Um, I think we have to wrestle with God, and so um, that would just be my encouragement. It's super normal for a Christian to doubt. It's going to happen in your life at some point. Don't let's give be up honest, at that point. We've all doubted in our lives. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's, I mean, so that is such a good word for someone struggling. Um, and I love what you said that it may mean that you're asking the right questions. Yeah. You, we don't ask people to uh, blindly follow anything. Right. No. You know, we have a very reasonable faith. And I think um, if the truth is the truth, then we can have confidence in any question that comes forward, knowing that if we dig long enough, that we can find the answer in the Word of God and it satisfy these doubts. Yeah, yeah. that's really good because that, that that's something I didn't exactly consider. You know, I could be coming from a place of disobedience, mm. or I could be coming a place of wanting to actually go deeper with my relationship with God, or both. Yes. <laughs> Going from disobedience to a deeper place. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're hearing like, oh man, that's me. Okay, good. You've identified it. That's great. Actually, you're in a good place. So let's go. Let's keep going. Let's keep diving. Right. So, okay. Sabrin, you've been preaching through First John. Yes. There's a lot about that kind of stuff in First John. Yeah. <laughs> What's, tell me. And you may not be able to really like iron it down to like one principle, but tell me how, how does maybe First John help us with this kind of problem? I think 
in we're halfway through it pretty well at Harmony. Uh, so one of the things that consistently comes up is that the person who is claiming to have fellowship with God, that's in chapter one, person who's claiming to know God in chapter two, to have a relationship with the Father uh, later, they all, their lifestyle shows that. Their lifestyle is evident of that. Uh, and I think it's important to avoid the antinomianism or the legalism to recognize that the good works of the Christian are an overflow of the salvation yeah. that's been given to them. Um, the, he says it pretty well straight up in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 3. This is how we know we know him if we keep his commands. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up, you know, when you're 10 minutes into your invitation and the pastor's going, you know, how do you know that you know that you know that you know, you know uh, that you're saved? Um, uh. It's interesting that John doesn't say, well, here, I'll show you the little card I signed with the deacon the day I prayed that prayer, or here's my, you know, baptism certificate. Um, I still have one of those, by the way, not a problem. It hangs in my wall. Um, <laughs> Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Point is, he says here is that it's if we keep his commands. It's important to note that's not that's not a like we were talking about. That's not contractual. No, it's not like you you keep his commands in order to remain in him. That that if you fail to keep his commands, you'll fall away. That's all. Chapter one is about you know if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive. It's that the one who loves God keeps his commands as by nature. Just like Ben is talking about in his in his marriage, he, you can tell Ben is married because he's faithful. <laughs> uh, yeah. he's not. It, it's not the other way around. Um, yeah, the faithfulness doesn't come first. He's faithful because of the covenant, not to have the covenant. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's golden, and I think I think you hit on something that at least a lot of folks, kind of in our circles, are going to be guilty of doing. And I've been guilty of doing this: is that when I do doubt, I'm going to go back to what I've done, and that's not what we. I don't think that's sufficient. Uh, in fact, First John says it's not sufficient. Like that's not what he. That's not where he goes. So I'm not going to go back to. See, when was I saved? I was saved when I was seven years old. I remember being baptized and stuff. When I'm in a place of doubt, that, man, that's not enough. Because on that end, from my perspective, I'm only looking at what JP's done. But I need more than what JP's done. I need what God's done. I need what Christ has done. So we are faithful from our salvation, not for our salvation. Exactly, yeah. And I think since you're hitting it hard, and I don't want to get in front of you because— I think First John is super helpful in this whole conversation, um, but the, the question I'm struggling with whether or not God loves me. First John answered this. Yes, He loves us. Yeah, we we only love because He's first loved us. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. is how that makes it clear. And so, um, you know, what I do love about First John is it really takes the believer to the mat to say. Hey, this is salvation. Are you in? You yes. know, because I've been walking with Jesus for 17 years. And even sometimes when I still read 1 John, I'm going, wow, am I saved? Yes. You know, because it is such potent language, but it's it's good because it likens to what Paul gives the admonition to the Corinthians. He says, examine yourself to see that you are in the faith. You see, do this daily, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, and and, and so it, it really is good. But um, we know that the basis of our salvation is on the basis that the love of God has shown us. 
You know, the basis of our salvation um, is based on God's display in the blood of His Son being poured out. The basis that our salvation stands on is on not on our work, but on Jesus' work 2,000 years ago on a cross poured out in full. It's not performance-based like we have in our relationships. It is a gift of grace that doesn't push me to antinomianism. It actually pushes me from the fact that, oh my goodness, God, you did that for me. I am literally eternally grateful that having done nothing wrong, Jesus died for sinners. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? What? And when you look at it, um, a lot of people, it keeps you from despair and pride because I forget, I think it's Paul Washer, but he said, you know, the only thing you bring to the salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so really, you can look at God and said, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to. I'm so sorry. Um, but um, grace. there's grace. There's grace. Okay. Good, good. But in that, in that vein, you realize that in this unmerited love and grace, what it pulls in your spirit um, is just this gratitude and gratefulness and allegiance and devotion because you are so thankful someone loves you in that way. That's it right there. It, it reminds me of... It's so like the question, and I'll make myself the doubting person over here. It's like asking, but why does he love me? You know, why does he love me? And I think... Yeah, that's that, a tough question, actually. <laughs> and it ends up... This is where this is where our submission, our submission to his word is so key. Mm-hmm. Whether we decide to submit to it or not. Because the simple answer is because he loves you. Like it goes... That, that's as far... That's, that's where it goes back. It's like what... But but why did I remember Alistair Begg saying this? But why does he love you? Because he loves you. It's like every relationship in our life we want to go back to. Well, why? Did, right, and those insecure folks sometimes. What did like I do to deserve this love? Yeah. yeah. What did I do? Or or why why do you love me? Well, you're this, and you're looking for praise so that it confirms or makes you feel better about this or that. It's like, what well, I love you because because you did this. I love you because you did this. I love you because because you're this way. It's like, oh, thank you. So when you go to this this relationship with God, you don't have anything, like you said. You don't have anything except for need. It reminds me of Ephesians 1. Um, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. You can argue back and forth about all that. But... Where I think we miss if we get on into arguments, it's just a simple application he loves you because he loves you. Yeah. Like, if you want security, go back to what he's done. Go back to who he is. Don't go back to what you've done. Right? Well, because God defines love. Because exactly. God is love. God is what all human love is. It's, it's, it's counterfeiting. Yeah. You know, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's cheapened. It's it's the resale. You know, um, and and the thing is, is God is the only one possessing the ability to impute perfect love. You know, because um, grace filled love, not based on that. Um, but driving through that in the same chapter of First John, you know, think about it. Uh, 
he writes these things. I, I love it in, in chapter five, verse 13. Uh, and, I, and I think this is a really good passage, but he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Yes. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. You you have this confidence because it's not about your merit, Mm. you know, it's about God's love. Amen. Yep. And and these things are written to you because you will doubt. Yeah. But we want you to have assurance that you have eternal life. Because I love in the beginning of 1 John, it says, we want you to have fellowship if indeed our fellowship Yes. Uh, you know, and so come into this fellowship, this relational knowing of, and even he had identified because my relationship is with the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, and it's this divine invitation. Come and participate in this relationship. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I want to ask another question. It's part of this too. So, can I lose my salvation? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, done. Tom, we're going to conclude the podcast now. <laughs> No, no, yeah, you can't. No, praise God. Would tell me why, right? If you, you could, d- you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I mean, it. Think to, about it. If, to the if, point. If, if the relationship with God is is who who doesn't change is based on me, who changes every single day, then what what basis? I mean, what assurance would I ever have? Right? I'm gonna change. Uh, I'm going to have days of doubt and things like this. If if my relationship is purely based on on my merit, then I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm going to mess up every all my human relationships. There's going to be times I'm going to mess them up. Yeah. If that was how God worked, then we would mess it up. There would be no way we we couldn't. I would say not only is it completely impossible for a believer to lose his salvation, I'll even put it to a test to the listener right now that is saying, but I think you can. Okay, so if you are listening to this and you are a redeemed believer in Jesus Christ, but you believe that it is possible for you to lose your salvation right now, I just want you to make a motion and say, I'm going to walk away from God right now. Like right here and right now, I'm going to, of my own volition, I'm going to turn my back on Jesus Christ and walk away from God. You'll find really quickly, you just can't I love do that. it. Oh, I love yeah, that. You can't. Because Jesus is altogether lovely, altogether perfect, completely beautiful. He is the best thing in this world. And knowing and having tasted and seen that the Lord is good, everything else is trash. And yes. you know this because God has woke you up. He opened your eyes. He breathed his life into you. He gave you a new heart. He gave you a new way to see reality. And it was all through the lens of Jesus Christ. And you cannot walk away from that. Amen. That is, I think, a great test is to ask yourself the question, like Jesus asks his disciples, John 6, you know, the crowds leave. And he says, do you want to go too? And they say, Peter says, where would I go? And if, if that is your heart, if you go, where would I go? That is, and it's all over First John and other places, that is the evidence. If, if you go, then it, you weren't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he, he says that if they go out from us, then they were not with us, because if they were with us, they would have remained. Um, that is the, per, your, your faith will persevere. Um, real faith does by, by its nature. So, yeah, that's a great test. Would I, could I walk away? 
maybe there are days maybe you want to where you're like, this is actually really hard. Yeah. Being a Christian is really hard. It's really easy to compromise. You know, I have this or that friend. I want to compromise so that I can reach them. I want to compromise because it's easier. But there will be part of you that goes, you just can't. You just got to keep going. That's right. That's so good because it flips. It's like it flips around what may be asked at salvation. Like who saved me? Me or uh, salvation? It's amazing. It, I mean, the, the human heart's just wicked and dark. Isn't it? <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. Like we don't want we we don't want God to be sovereign in salvation, but we want Him to be sovereign in our security. Ooh, you know, I mean, there you, go. you know, I'm not jumping into all the the argumentation stuff, but it's if we would if we would just get back to the simple gospel that he is he is sovereign in both. Yeah. And how that works out in terms of our experience and our free will is I don't know. <laughs> I ask him <laughs> ask him one day. All I know is that all I know is who's got who has me. I was gonna say who's got me. <laughs> who who's got me. Yeah. But it ends up going back to a childlike faith, I think. Right? Yeah. It's simple, it's precious. Does he love me? Yes, he loves me. Can I leave him? No, because he loves me. It's like, man. So here's another thing. If you're, so yeah, I know we're doing the can you lose your salvation thing. Um, And, you know, there's an altogether interesting conversation that I really don't want to have about backsliding and things like that. (laughs) But um, if you're questioning whether or not you're you're saved, John, I mean, Matthew 7 is actually super helpful um, when, you know, you're known by the fruit in your life. You know, can you look and see, you know, ask yourself the question, has my life been changed because of the reality that of me knowing Jesus in a vibrant relationship? Yeah. You know, am I the same person that... Uh, and I've, quote unquote, been walking with Jesus for 10 years. Well, if you've not changed in 10 years, you've missed the mark. Uh, I don't care if you've walked an aisle. I don't care if you prayed a prayer to ask Jesus in your heart, which the Bible never tells you to do anyway. Let's just go ahead and say that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I do believe that there are repentant prayers, you know, that people can pray, you know, to ask the Lord to forgive them and to commit to following Jesus. So, you know, I'm not necessarily opposed to a sinner's prayer, yeah. but your hope shouldn't be in the prayer. Right. No. You know, your hope shouldn't be in um, anything like that. Your hope should be based on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Amen. Yep. Um, and so if you can look back at your life and say, okay, well, my life has never been changed from this reality. Don't you know that God loves you too much to leave you in the same condition he finds you in? Yes. Amen. Amen. And yeah. that yeah. in any relationship, it, if it's benefiting you, it changes you. Like, I keep going back to this. I'm the married guy. But like, um, <laughs> I think Tim Keller said it this way, that my wife has been married to five guys and they're all me. 
<laughs> and, and the point is, is that I'm a very different person now than when we first got married because the nature of the relationship has changed me. Look, I cry at Pixar movies now. Like, like that's a real thing that well, happens. You, you didn't already? Not before then. I used to, I'm telling you, I was rough around the edges when I got saved. Oh, man. Um, and, and so, like, from that, who I wouldn't even know what Pixar was until, you know, getting married, having kids, like, like I sit and watch things with my kids and tear up. I'm going, what has happened to me? <laughs> but my, my thing, going back to salvation, if you're looking for evidence of salvation in your life, are you are you softening, you know, to the things you should soften to? Yeah. Are you, uh, here's a big thing, and we haven't talked about this, but you know that when you are regenerated, you begin being a conduit, you're an indwelling um, uh, presence of the Holy Spirit that takes up residency in you. So the question is, is, is there evidence of conviction in your life towards sinful patterns? There we yes. go. Yeah. You know, can you, if you can sin devoid of conviction, that is a big problem. That right there. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I don't care if you go to church every Sunday. I don't care if you've been on a mission trip. I don't care if your dad was a deacon. You know, <laughs> if, if you can be in perpetual patterns of besetting sin in your life, devoid of any kind of conviction from the Holy Spirit, Hey, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Yes. Hey, you are not regenerated. Hey, yeah. you need to be saved. Yeah, we need and to go back to square one. We have to preach a gospel that changes lives. That's and I it. think that's being lost slowly is a gospel that uh, Jesus wants you to come as you are, but thank God he does not leave you where you are. Amen. Yeah. Um, and if we fail to preach, as pastors in the room, if we fail to preach a gospel that preaches life change, that you can... That, that addiction that you have, that sin struggle that you have, you can actually overcome it. Like, yeah. it doesn't actually have to rule you. That's like, right. In Christ, you can have real freedom from that. That's it might right. be slow process, like, but if that conviction is there, I think we've preached such a watered-down version that <laughs> doesn't have change. And so it's walk down an aisle and say a prayer, and then we'll send you on your way. I would hate to think that there were churches out there that didn't preach that way, you know, that yeah. just say that, hey, you're a good person. You know, ninety nine point ninety eight percent of people are good people. You know, or you know, I'm I'm glad there aren't churches out there like that. Oh man, of course not. There's they're nowhere near. <laughs> there right? is like studies that have been done that show that I think it's like seventy five percent of people think they're above average. Which you can do that there. That's not good. <laughs> I think at least a quarter of them are fooling themselves, right? So, so something I've been thinking on um, for a little bit now is uh, like the, the the sacrifice of Christ. That part of the gospel. Um, it's something that it's been very helpful for me. I don't know why it just now clicked, but <clears throat> but it has for me in fighting sin has been that reminding or preaching to myself that I'm dead to it. Yeah. Yes. And I'm dead to it because like Paul talks about in Christ, being in Christ. I think a lot of the times, and this, maybe this has just been me, I focus so much on being in Christ and in terms of experiencing his life and his love and his salvation that's given to me that I forget that being in Christ also means that I died on the cross there too. Like mm -hmm. I, we go through in Christ, we go through the entirety of the death, burial, and resurrection because we don't, we don't want to, I don't want to die to me. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I, I want to keep I want to keep those dark little places in my heart that that I think are going to satisfy their sin. But what's hit me so much is that like I get to experience a life because Jesus drug me up there and said, "You're going to die, son." And I did, and then I rose out of out of the grave with him. I'm like, man, that means when I when there's this thing, this flesh creeps up, and it's like, hey, think this, JP. Hey, that you know, do that, do this, or whatever. It's like, no, you're, de- I'm dead to that. Well, and so this is a really talk about being highly baptistic, and we are some <laughs> Baptist guys. Yes, we here. are. Here's some here's some very Baptist scripture. I'm going to read, and it comes from Romans 6. Uh, Yeah, we're going to go there. Uh, That's what I was thinking. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Moi ganoto, may it never be, by no means. (laughs) says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized by immersion into (laughs) Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Amen. We were mm. therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, I think that's important, we too may live the newness of life. Oh, that, that has, that's a new favorite passage for a while. <laughs> yeah. That is so rich. In fact, I don't know. I might not preach Psalm 42. I might preach that. So. Hey, let me tell that's you, here's like, the thing. But man. that's why we do. We believe baptism by regeneration, uh, like preceding that, you know, mm-hmm. like as the confession of it. That's why we say, okay, we're, we're confessional Baptists. Um, you bring your confession of life change, and therefore you're ready to die to sin. That's why you're baptized in it. That's why the you're buried, you go under, and then you're raised to walk with newness of life. You are identifying with Christ in that example. Well, that's a hard thing to do if you're a baby. You know, um, and I, I'm not going to harp on it too long, but it you got to think about the context of this passage. What is in the beginning? Shall we sin because grace is abundant? Well, that that throws away antinomianism, right? Yes. Um, but it gives you a more beautiful look at how are you following the law. You're not just following the letter of the law. You're you're following the person behind the letter of the law. You're following Jesus yeah. into death. You're dying to self, and you're being raised and identifying with him in that way. To what? To new life. Live a new life. Yeah. I think two chapters later is what I thought of. Uh I've had friends and even myself going, man, I've been struggling with this thing for a while, whatever a while looks like, and it feels like I can't get ahead. And I'm reminded of, oh, man, the verse is going to escape me, but the end of chapter 8, um, he talks. He says, mm-hmm. for those he predestined, he also called. For those he called, he also justified. And for those he justified, he also glorified. Now, my Greek is rusty, but I'm pretty sure those are all past tense, which is so interesting because, you know, we're not getting a bit... We can remember a moment that we were called by God uh, and, and that we were justified before him. Romans 5, 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But none of us are glorified yet. And yet Paul says that's the past tense. Like yeah, it's, already, it's done. already happened. Yeah. And that is hope because what that tells the believer is that my sin is done. Amen. I haven't yep. mm-hmm. yet walked into that experience of having it been be done, but it is done. And so now I can look at Satan and, and my sin and the, the evil that I face and go, you've already, you've already lost. Our struggle is too unto victory. Um, and that helps so much when we go, man, why do I still struggle with this? It's been, 
you know, three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, and I'm a Christian, and, and I know this is a problem. If you, like you said earlier, Ben, if you stop thinking it's a problem, we've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can wrestle <clears throat> and, and, and fight the, the fight as a, as a Christian with the hope that it's, it's over. I've already won. I'm yeah. already glorified with Christ. Yeah. That's assurance. That verse, I don't even know how you can say that some, you can't be called and justified and not glorified. That's right. Um, yeah. Very, very clear. Well, even Ephesians 2, 6, yep. you know, you've been raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Yeah. Now, here's now. the thing. Yeah, now. <laughs> right that's, now. That's happened right Isn't that awesome? Now. I know. It's such a wild thing. <laughs> I mean, gosh. Prince and, and I love in, in Revelation, John says, it's often overlooked, he says, and at the end, I think, chapter 21, and they will reign forever mm. and ever. Yeah. And right now we are... Well, us, we're all male in here, so princes. Yeah. Um, but the Christian is a prince or princess of heaven, a yeah. future king or queen. Set. Uh, we are just growing into that. <laughs> so, so why can you not lose your salvation? Well, think about it in this way. In these passages we just looked at, if you are already in this moment from the point of belief, raised and seated in the heavenly places with Christ, you know, if... You're going to be glorified and all of that. It was Romans 8, 29. Um, then you, you look at those things that are, yes, are in the past tense, but they have future implications. You just have to realize that when you are in Christ, you can't lose it because it's already written in stone. Um, it's And it's already established. Um, and, you know, if we really want to get into Ephesians 1, we'll, you'll realize that before a rock was found, formed, that God's plan was to know you and secure you, not to give you an ability to do it yourself. Yeah. Yes. That's, okay. See you. I want to, we got a little bit of time left. We have plenty of time left. I want to dive just a little bit deeper I want to, for us to nerd out for a minute, okay? Okay. <laughs> Dangerous question. It's, 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 and y'all could try to help me with this. This is what's going on in my head. Is that what we're talking about, of course, everything's going to end up being this way, is distinctly Trinitarian. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I want to go further and just saying, oh, yeah, we're brought into Christ. And then when we're brought into Christ, you know, we, the, we're, we get to experience the love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is true, right? But in, the, in our lives, if we let that doubt rule, um, all right, let's go back to the marriage thing. Um, I think there's a, I forgot his, what his name is. It's, I think it's, his name's Friedman. It's a book I've been reading about some, um, like, I think it's leadership in the age of something. Which is not very helpful because I can't remember that. <laughs> the entire thousand books to start with leadership in an age of insert. But I at least remember the principle. He talks, and I'm going somewhere with this. He talks about that essentially all of our relationships end up being triangular. Okay? So, all right, there's three of us here. Usually where you end up with problems is where you uh, you have, right, you have the child, uh, both parents, in the, or you have both parents and the child. There's three people, and there's conflict different ways. If you... Whichever way you go in your life, it usually involves more in you and the conflict you're experiencing is what I'm getting at, right? What we think, though, is that a lot of times in our hearts, where we are, that conflict is isolated. Hmm. The reality is, 
is that when we're in Christ, we're not. Mm. Yes. And I think it's a trick of the, of, of the devil to say, see, you are. He's abandoned you. Yeah. But the reality is, hold on a second. I'm in Christ. That means I've been brought into this loving relationship. That means when you, I mean, if you notice all the passages we've read, like uh, Romans 6, baptized into Christ Jesus, right? Um, let's see. We get to walk in newness of life. How are we walking in newness of life if not by the, pre- the presence of the Holy Spirit? Right? And then you get to later on, to, once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. It's very, very Trinitarian, all these things. Um, am, I, am I making any sense whatsoever? You, you are. I've got a few things, because I've, I've, I've got something to say to this and looking at this in a Trinitarian uh, perspective, but I want to go back to some familiar books that we've already considered right now, yeah. some familiar passages uh, where we actually see uh, a beautiful example of this. Um, but um, like, so in, in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We proclaim to you what we have also heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. Yep. Okay? And our fellowship is with him, yet, uh, yeah, 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 is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And, um, and we write these things so you can, we can make our joy complete. You know, so so you see that there is that, and I'm, I'm going somewhere. So, so just check this out. And you get back into Romans eight, okay? Uh, so so we take this idea, and um, and and you go into this area where he's talking about what the Spirit of God does for us. But then you see, going back into that passage, Brennan, that you you brought up in, in 29, uh, for those whom God foreknew. So you see God there. And then you see that become conformed to the likeness of the Son. You see the role of the Son. You see the sealing of the Spirit. What I love is that if you go back and you do good theology, the Puritan view of salvation always included the Trinity. Yeah. And, and, and every, yeah. so you see God creating, sending the Son, sealing with the Spirit, and you walk in that pattern. So look, say you are struggling with your security in salvation. Well, number one, you've been sealed with the Spirit of God. But if that's not enough, you're wrapped in the love of Christ. Yeah. Okay. So there's a double wrap, and then triply, you're held in the hands of God. So you are triply sealed with in the love of the triune God. I mean, I mean I wanna, think about this for a second. <laughs> the position that God has placed us in and His grace. We were sinners. He He forgave by going through it. He takes the punishment of our sin so that it's like we were already really low. He, he removes all of that sin. He promises to vindicate us for mm-hmm. the wrongs that other people do to us, and which blows my mind because I go, I've done wrong to other people. And yeah. God goes, I dealt with that on the cross. Yes. I'm going to deal with the other people when that time comes. So not only has he saved us from our sins, he vindicates us in the place of others, and then he's going to sit us as co-heirs with Christ in the throne of heaven. Like, we're completely untouchable. Like, well, who's going to—I mean, this is why Paul can say things like, if God is for us, who can be against yes, us? Amen. Yeah. Because, like, what 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 are they going to do? Like, like, my sins are forgiven. Absolutely. I, amen. I'm vindicated one day, ultimately, for all the wrong that is ever done to me and all that I suffer in and Christ. And nothing can separate And nothing can separate me from, from the love of God. love of God. Yeah. It, it is It is all because God—and and 
out of nothing merited, nothing wow. in me. Brennan Cress is not worthy or deserving of love. Ezekiel 36, I think, is a great place to see that. Yeah. God does it because he loves us and because he, it brings glory to his name. It would not bring glory to God's name for him to be unable to deliver you. That's right. Amen. If we're thinking the story of the Bible is six words, kill the dragon, get the girl, right? Um, <laughs> yes. You don't read stories about knights in shining armor who kill the dragon, get the girl, and then drop her on the side of the road and don't take her back to the castle. If God's worked this hard, <laughs> to, not hard for him, obviously, but yeah. if God has done this work to, to bring us to that point of salvation, why would he stop? Why would he He fail to, to carry it through? I mean, Paul says the opposite. He who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Yeah. Right. So I want... I want to take notice of like what's what's transpired. If you notice, what we've gotten to is a worshipful place, mm-hmm. right? And if anyone's listening, what you may have noticed is that even our tones changed. Like we, the three of us may not have been dealing with any doubt whatsoever, but I'm refreshed after having gone back and taken a, a snapshot of what the gospel is. This is what it looks like to deal. Like we may have talked about direct things, but we've also hopefully set an example. This is what it looks like to deal with doubt. So how do I deal with doubting God's love for me? I think this what we've done can be summarized in Psalm forty two eleven. Yes. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? We ask that question. Response: Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Hmm. Where I think we mess up sometimes in the church today is we don't give our people the adequate tools to do it. Hmm. Here's the tool, right? Dive in there and just worship. You'll be surprised at how. I mean, it's it's just good stuff. I don't know. How it's done. Well, that's why we are consistently commended um, to tether ourselves to the Amen. Word of God. Um, that Jesus's words to us, or we we do them and and and, and taking us, he says we are building our house on a firm foundation, and so I've been refreshed, brothers, yeah. in considering these beautiful things. But it wasn't until we really got into the beauty of the scripture, yeah, that mm-hmm. you did. I'll, the the tone changed. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating. Yeah, it is, man. Anything, anything to add as we kind of wrap it up? It's been good. Hopefully, we've. I think we've got a kind of answer to the question. Yeah, and I think too. This is something that we can continue to come back to. Yeah, you know, I think that's the point. I don't think this is like a one and done. Like, okay, that's settled. Even though, in a sense, a very real sense, it is. But it's not something you can't just keep coming back to and marvel and worship. Yeah, which. I don't know, man. It's like there's <laughs> there keeps being other things because if you can be preemptive, yeah, you don't have to wait. In fact, it's ironic that the Lord made us together on a regular basis in order to worship together. Mm-hmm. It's as though He recognizes that we're going to deal with these things and we need to worship Him. So that's what it's all about, man. It's been good, guys. Appreciate y'all being here again. This is. The Middle Cross Podcast, also on the Haywood Baptist Hour, and we're all about applying all of the gospel to all of life, which is what we've tried to do today. We're here with Brendan Cress and Ben Cowell, and uh, I don't know, man, I'll have to have you guys on again. But till next time, y'all enjoy. Take care.